Y'all, it's been a it's been a week. It's been a tough week. And uh, but before we get to that, uh, did y'all notice things kind of come and go here at Shine? Do y'all notice how we went from like the pink weird spring thing to like the black god? That that was my contribution to the teaching team. So I think I uh, I gave Marcus a hard time for like six weeks. I was like, man, we got to change this. But uh, anyways, no, it's been a tough week. Uh, my daughter, my 16-year-old daughter has been driving for seven months and totaled my favorite truck uh, that, I, that I gave her. She's okay. Sadie's fine. Uh, the other people in the accident are fine. Uh, but you know, we're out of a car with six very busy uh, individuals. and Now we're down back to two cars. I know first world problems, but it's, uh, it's been really terrible. Um, uh, lots of stuff at work. This whole... Um, had a lot of drama with my son with his football team and the coach putting him on second string, never playing him. I replaced him, of course, with his son. So that went over super well with me. Um, on and on and on. And then uh, I'm flossing my teeth on Wednesday night. I pop a crown out. I've got a huge uh, thing at work the next morning that I obviously can't go into because it's like stabbing pain in my face. Uh, my tooth falls down the sink, goes around and around and around, goes in the drain, right? So I go to under... I recover the crown out of the P-trap, but then when I'm putting the P-trap back on, I like break the plastic coupling. I'm like, what else, you know? And, uh, and it got to a point really where Lauren on Thursday, I wish I could say I was a spiritual leader and said this, but it got to the point where Thursday was like, Lauren says, hey, can we just pray? Can we just stop and pray? And uh, oh, it was so good. We gathered the family around and, and we did that. And I feel like, that's kind of the spirit in the room this morning that, or this afternoon as we kind of came in, I, I really had the sense of just home and family. And so I thank you guys for that. But I also recognize that that's the, that's the presence of the Lord welcoming us in. And we come in with all this stuff and this junk and the Lord just says, hey, look at me, just like what Paul said. So I came up here with all this stuff I wanted to say and all this stuff I wanted to pray and Kim prayed it and Paul prayed it. Uh, so I'm going to be brief, but if you'd allow me to, I'm just going to pray real quickly one more time. Uh, Lord God, we, we love you with our whole heart, and we're a mess without you. And so again, Father, we gather, we come to you. We're not coming to some edifice or some, some church thing to perform a duty, but we're, we're coming because we love you. And we, we hope that even through the words that I speak and the hearing of these words or the songs that we sang or or the service that's going on with the kids' church, that, uh, that you're just so pleased with what you see. As you look down and you see us as your, uh, your sons and daughters, that you paid for the blood of Jesus. Lord, we recognize that we're only one expression of the church in Castle Rock. And so, Lord, I just pray for Journey Church. Uh, I pray for um, Scotty Priest. to bless them, uh, bless their staff, that your presence would be manifest there when anybody walks in their church, that they would just encounter you in a powerful way. Lord, um, we pray for Israel. Give her wisdom. Give us guidance. How do we perceive this? Give us, give us words to pray. Help us to see, give us spiritual eyes to see the circumstance that we wouldn't feel the hate and the division welling up in our hearts, uh, but we would see a mighty God. Lord, we pray that you come through in a big way. Be with us here this morning, or this evening. Amen. Amen. Morning. I am confused. Um, all right, so we're, we're in this series uh, in the book of Mark, as we're, we've been talking this year about this theme when God says, hey, come with me. 
I want to I go somewhere. I want to do something in the heart of somebody. Would you link arms with me and come, come with me? And we thought it was going to be so good uh, to take a little bit of time to look at the best example of who did that, that ever walked on planet Earth, Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. We're not studying Mark. We're studying Jesus and how he responded to the call of when God the Father, when he would look to heaven, we believe and we know through Scripture that he only did what he saw the Father doing and he only said what he heard the Father speaking. And he communicated with the Father through his Holy Spirit and he had this communion with him. And so we want to learn what did it look like. You know, it's a great concept, but when, you, when God became man and he walked on this earth, what did it look like so that we can emulate it? And Mark really trumps the fact that he's this servant. Mark Marble talked about this, and Lauren talked about this last week, uh, that he just came as this radical king. And so we're going we're gonna to work through uh, mainly chapter 5 and 6, but we're going to start at the tail end of, of chapter 4 if you want to get your Bibles out. And, uh, and you can scan the QR code there for the message notes. I've got quite a few things that... Uh, uh, just a few things that didn't make it into the slide, so you may want to pull those notes up. But I'm going to read, starting in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Okay, why did, why did he tell them to go over to the other side? Because he only saw, he only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father saying. So he perceived that the Lord said, hey, I want you to go to the other side. So he pulled his disciples together and he said that. So that's the context. You gotta kind of read into, okay, Jesus, what are you doing? So leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Do y'all remember another story? where somebody was asleep in the boat as a storm was brewing, about to take over the vessel? Who does that remind you of? Jonah. Yeah, Jonah was a man that was called to the pagans as well. And I'm going to explain what, what the other side means, but Jesus is being called by God the Father to go to the other side, to the pagans. And so you see this parallel between him and Jonah. So continuing on, uh, second half of verse 38. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There is a um, podcast called the Bema Podcast, if you want to throw that up on the screen. Uh, anybody here would raise your hand. Uh, are y'all familiar with the Bema Podcast? Have you listened to it? Okay, just a handful. Um, so I wanted to throw it up there because the Bema Podcast has been something I've really, really enjoyed. And Marty Solomon is an ethnic Jew that, um, uh, that reads and teaches the Bible not from a Western context like we know, but he, he teaches it from an Eastern context since it was written by Eastern authors to an Eastern audience. And so he's very enlightening, but I am going to shamelessly uh, take quite a bit of the material uh, today from his teachings that have been very helpful for me. Uh, but before we're going to get started, I'd like, I've got a map uh, that actually came from BemaDiscipleship.com. 
Um, and so here's the Sea of Galilee. And what you have there is you see several towns uh, that were in existence and, and, and vibrant during Jesus' day. And they represent, uh, I wanted you to kind of get a lay of the geography because um, uh, I wanted to explain that there were really represented in these towns, there were four of the five worldviews or, or responses uh, that people had in this area to this Greco-Roman um, cultural invasion to the area, okay? So this was Israel. This is where God said, you will be my people and I will be your God. But then years later, Rome came in and now this is a Roman province, okay? And so you have not just a political influence, a military demonstration, but you have this very pervasive kind of Greek, Roman, social, cultural um, flood coming into what was supposed to be a nation set apart and holy for God. Well, now in one sense, it's not so set apart because it's been integrated into the Roman Empire. And so the Jews responded in a handful of ways. Uh, Tiberius is, was in, in the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Sea of Galilee, kind of a, a, an epicenter for uh, Hellenism, or you heard the phrase Hellenistic Jews. And what Hellenistic Jews were, were Jews that spoke Greek and in many ways kind of adopted that Greco-Roman lifestyle. And so you could see there, there were even prominent Jews who would have, you know, these tile mosaics of different Roman gods, like in their home. Their home would have like these really ornate archways because again, it couldn't just be a house. It had to be a status symbol of your prominence in society and it had to make a statement about your success and your wealth and kind of where you were. It was this very Roman idea and of all the responses that the Jewish culture had to the Roman culture that, was, that they were all kind of basting in, that's probably the one that most closely matches us, right? I mean, we're followers of Jesus, but we're basting in a very humanistic, me first, uh, what's good for me uh, type, type culture, culture of entertainment and, and all that. All right, moving on from there, you go up to the northern part of the, the Galilee and you get Chorazin and Capernaum and Bethsaida. And that's kind of known, that region, and I, and I would include uh, Gennesaret and, and those of y'all that have been to Israel, uh, Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from. This is kind of the epicenter of, of synagogue. So the synagogue culture is known as the Jewish triangle. So these were, um, these were the ones that, that looked at Jewish history and they said, okay, so God formed, uh, he called the Hebrew people, there's 12 tribes, uh, two generations after King David, there's the northern 10 tribes, the, king, the kingdom of Israel, the southern uh, kingdom of Judah, two tribes. Assyria comes in, right, with the capital city of Nineveh, where Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, right, when he was fleeing away and got swallowed by the whale. So Assyria came in, basically wiped off the map, the, the top 10, the northern 10 tribes, and then Babylon, they tried to attack Judah, but they, they, couldn't, they couldn't conquer it. So then Babylon came in, took over Assyria, conquered Jerusalem, Masada, all that in the south, and they all went into exile. So then, by God's grace, short story, very long, they came back, and uh, they're discovering these scrolls, and they're reading the text after generations of not reading. And their, their heart is just broken, and they're like, oh my gosh, no wonder our, our history is so terrible because we didn't obey God's law. He said he wanted to be our God and that we were his people and we didn't act like it. And so no wonder 
we went into exile. So we're never going to do that again. So now it's not just about, it's not good enough to have a temple in Jerusalem, but we need a synagogue in our hometown. And we're going to open the text, and we're going to sit, and we're going to review this. So, you know, synagogue was not something that God came up with in, in the Torah. That was something that the Jews came up with post-exile to get it right. And so that's what this Jewish, the, the Jewish triangle here, that's that Pharisee culture. That's the very, like, we, uh, very pious, kind of the, the, the purest of the Jewish religion. That's where they were. Um, Jesus spends 80% of his ministry in that area. Um, you know, we think he's mad at the Pharisees. I think he loves the Pharisees, and he's just trying, because they were trying so hard, and he just had to set them straight. Over in the east, in the Golan Heights, you have Gamla. These were the zealots. These were the, the militant. These were not the, the, you know, wavering back and forth, wailing wall Jews. These were the iron fist Jews that you, we're seeing all over the news right now, just the very militant and then down uh, on the east side, you have uh, the region of Susita in uh, this, this community, this city called Hippos. And Hippos was um, uh, the northernmost city of what came to be known as the Decapolis. So that's on the eastern side, mostly, of the Jordan River. And the Decapolis became a Roman province um, that had no Jewish influence whatsoever. And at the time of Jesus you would have had the Roman province of Israel on the west side of the Jordan River, and you would have had the Decapolis province on the east side, and they would be like oil and water, black and white, us and them. They never mix. They weren't at war because they were both governed by, by the Roman Empire, but they, were, they didn't mix. And in fact, Leviticus fifteen nineteen, probably some of y'all's favorite verse, talks about uh, a, a woman's cycle, and it said when a woman has her cycle that she's ceremonially unclean for seven days. Well, the Pharisees took that same uh, context and said, if you say the word Decapolis, you are unclean for seven days to make a connection to that verse. And so that's how they fed. A Jew would never be caught dead over on the eastern side of over there near Hippos and the Decapolis. And so Jesus says, on that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And his disciples are like, you got to be kidding me. Like, no way. And in fact, it's a terrible translation in English, but it says, leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and there were other boats with him. I'm not a Greek scholar, but when I researched this, it's, there's this, there's this con, uh, connotation there that there was major conflict between Jesus and his disciples, which, which we don't really hear about or we don't see. So much so that it says there are other boats there. I think that some of the disciples were like, yo, you go in the boat to the other side. I'm going to get in this boat and go over here. And Jesus is like, get your butt in the boat. We're, we're going to the other side. That's what that phrase, just as he was kind of implies in the Greek that's just not translated into the English. So they get in the boat. He's got his boys. He's heard from the Father that he's supposed to go to the other side. Maybe he's, maybe he's gotten a taste from the Holy Spirit of God's, God's heart for this pagan nation. And, uh, and so he's going over there, and then a storm comes up. And he's, uh, he's not concerned. He's not... Uh, worried. He's definitely not doing, and we've got to be careful about this, where, you know, we kind of have this U.S., you know, American kind of 
theology that creeps into our spiritual lives where we, have y'all heard about the open door, closed door? It's like, yo, if God's calling you to something and it's just, he's going to open all the doors. And if he doesn't, if you you encounter closed doors, then it's probably not God's will. Jesus didn't live like that. He heard, go to the other side. He's going to the other side. And he's so much so that there's this storm that's threatening the vessel and he's just, he's totally at rest. He's like, God called me to go to the other side. I'm going to get there. And so he, he's going over there. Of course, the disciples will have none of it. They wake him up, freaked out. And he says uh, what's kind of common now because we kind of grew up in a Bible culture here, but he tells the waves to hush, to be quiet, which, and I don't have it on the slides, but you can go back to uh, Psalms 107, uh, 23 through 32, and Psalms 89, 8 and 9, when he says, hush. Uh, that's straight out of the psalm. And then what the, the disciples said next, where they basically said, who is this guy? It's like the next verse in Psalm 8 and 9. They says, who is this? The O Lord Almighty that stills, that, that hushes, that quiets the seas. It's almost like Jesus said a line of a song that they picked up on, and then they said the next line of the song. And so they knew this, and, and so this is what's going on. Jesus was interrupted by this storm, uh, God's power showed up and they are amazed that he has power and authority even over the natural elements, even over a storm. Quiets the seas and here he goes. He gets to the other side. So here we are, Mark chapter five. I'm gonna continue reading. This is gonna be the largest chunk of scripture here, so bear with me. If you wanna shut your eyes and just listen, you can or you can try to read along. Verse five, or verse one, chapter five, they came to the other side of the sea and to the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him and he had his dwelling among the tombs and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. No one was strong enough to subdue him. You see how the world treats him? And he breaks those chains, but we just sang a song. There was one chain that he couldn't break, but the name of Jesus could break that chain. And so what does he do? Constantly day and night, he's screaming among the tombs and the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Okay, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. Okay, a man with a demon was not fully controlled probably perceived who Jesus was through this demonic influence. And he said, I've got to be at that man's feet because that man can cleanse me, he can heal me, he can deliver me. So he did that and shouting with a loud voice, he said, what business, now this is the demon speaking through the man, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me which sounds like something an angel worshiping him would say, like Jesus, the son of the most high God. You see, demons' theology is fantastic. You don't need to preach to a demon. They know. They know better than we do who Jesus is. But just like Mark Marble said a couple weeks ago, they were like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is our turf. Like, you're not supposed to be here. What are you doing here? You see the strategy of the father when he said, Jesus, I want you to go to the other side. All right, Uh, I implore you, God, (laughs) by God, do not torment me. 
For he had been saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. And the demons implored him saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Uh, Flack, can you put that Google image up there? So here's, um, I just pulled this up. This is modern day. So you've got Eingev. Uh, this is actually to the south. The right-hand side is to the south. So you're looking dead west. The black spot at the bottom is the Sea of Galilee. And this is really the only spot on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee where there's, there's a highlands that comes uh, within a tenth of a mile of the, the border of the lake, right? Uh, and I don't know if the water level is the same today as it was back then, but, but, I, but many people agree that this is where it happened. So you can kind of see, um, you know, if there were tombs up in the high places or maybe up on the plateau, uh, and he cast these demons into the, the pigs, and the pigs haul down that, that steep embankment and come in, and they, and they drown, Okay, this is where I've got to call a timeout. And um, uh, let me put, you know, you guys know, every once in a while I'll put a book recommendation up. So uh, this one's by Jack Deere. This is the, there it is. So he wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And then he just rewrote, well, not just, he rewrote the book and added a whole lot more detail. And, and he called it Why I'm Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. If you guys do Audible, this is a fantastic listen because he reads it himself. And the reason why I say that um, is because, uh, how do I say this delicately without uh, upsetting somebody? Um, before we came to Shine, we went to a very charismatic church here in the community. Um, and wonderful church who love the Lord with all their heart and just are running hard after Jesus, but doing it in a way that was very difficult for me and my weakness. Um, the reason why I kind of pull the curtain back for you guys is if, is if you find yourself um, wanting to learn more about the powerful manifestation of the power of, of the Spirit uh, in healings and casting out demons and uh, prophetic words and all that, Jack Deere is your guy. Um, I'm a passionate guy, but I'm also very logical and I'm not, um, um, chaos makes me nervous, especially in the, in the context of like worship and things like that. And Jack Deere, when you hear his voice, if you get the audible version, he's just the most sober, monotone, uh, steeped in scripture, but powerful man of God. Uh, I had the, the privilege of meeting him one day and I was in a, a room like this and I'm standing I'm sitting back here, and he's like, I have a word for the gentleman in the boots that are, you know, he's writing, sir, look at me, you're writing down your book, and it was me, and he prophesied over me and just absolutely laid me bare. Everybody in the room that knew me was dying laughing because it was just, it was just spot on. So anyways, huge fan of Jack Deere. The book is really incredible. Um, he talks about this demon-possessed story in Mark chapter 5. And he says, you know, one of the bad things about the English translation is everywhere where there's a demon tormenting um, uh, somebody, it's, it, they always translate it as demon possession. But that's actually not a good translation. He, he describes it, it's, a, a, it's called in grammar a denominative. And, um, and it's when you take a noun and make it a verb. 
So in the Greek, that's what this phrase is. So like the noun victim, if you're going to make that a verb, you put I-Z-E on the end of it and make it victimize, right? So this word is really a demonized man, okay? And so all these other scriptures that you'll read about, you know, a kid that's got epilepsy and he's being thrown, he's, he's demonized, not necessarily demon-possessed because that's a subset. Um, but but you've, we've got to know and we've got to understand a couple very simple truths um, when, we, when we lean into this because we have to, because there's a lot of the book of Mark that deals with Jesus casting out demons. And there's a whole lot of Jesus' ministry in the other gospels where he's addressing demons. So we can't go through the text and not wrestle with demons. Um, so a, a few points. Um, demons are real. Uh, the spirit world in many ways uh, is more real than the physical world that we're uh, familiar with, that we can measure and touch and study. And um, uh, The spiritual battle is real. Um, demons are, they, they have no power or authority against God the Father. So what they do is they can't hurt him, so they hurt who he loves. So there are demonic forces at work in your life and my life that seek to destroy us quietly. Um, in other parts of the world, you know, voodoo regions in Central Africa, or I've heard some insane shaman stories in uh, Eastern Indonesia, places like that. It's not so quiet. But in the U.S., he's rather successful being very quiet and under the radar and under the rug, and he just goes in there and he wants to wreck your family and wreck your marriage and this is how Jesus took it. Um, he teaches us by example that we're not to be afraid uh, of demons. Um, we're not to be fascinated by them. Um, uh, they have power over us, but their power is nothing compared to God the Father. And we can exercise that power when we submit to him. Um, there's, there's so much in the scripture. I can run through like Luke 9 Verse one, uh, Jesus says, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. Uh, Matthew 10, eight, this is Jesus uh, commanding his, his followers, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. First uh, John 4, four, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Talking about the evil one. Uh, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, who's been given temporary reign here. Uh, Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That will be one of the signs that you'll know who my followers are. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay, think about that right now. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demonic strongholds. And so this is how Jesus did. He was never worked up. He was never fearful. He was never, it was, it was never, uh, it wasn't even weird. Um, like when Jesus healed people, things would get weird. Like he'd stick his finger in people's ear. He'd like spit in mud. Like that was goofy. But the demon thing, like the, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, how do we, how do we even think about this? Um, and I thought about my dog. That's a, a, a poodle mix, right? So not the hair, but the fur or other way around. Um, and these, these sticker burrs, uh, in Texas we call them cockle burrs, that, that, um, the ones that are real bad, that like as you're pulling them out, they like make you bleed. Um, 
you know, if, your do- if my dog comes up and I'm petting my dog and I notice it's got this sticker on it, like I'm immediately going to pick down, I'm going to pull that thing, I'm going to wrestle with it, I'm going to get it off of her, right? And that's exactly what Jesus does with demons. He just walks in, it's like, okay, this guy's got a demon, hey, you got to get out of here. You, you're gone. And then let's carry on with the, with the work of the Father, right? This isn't, a, this isn't a big, so anyways, let's just keep it in perspective. Uh, but the worst thing we could do is just ignore it altogether. Um, and so I, I'm just so thankful. Here I am preparing for this sermon, clearly under this demonic torment uh, with everything that's going on. And Lauren has to be the champion. And I'm just like, whatever. Um, that, hey, let's call a timeout and let's pray. Because uh, Jack Deere has this phrase that's so awesome. God governs the world through the prayers of his saints. And uh, the scheme of the enemy is to defile you um, because defiled people find it difficult to pray. That's, how he, that's his scheme. That's how he cripples you. And so, guys, we just pray simple prayers, and we cast demons out. Um, we bring them to the feet of Jesus. Um, just for, for a little bit more clarity, um, Jack Deere talks about like this scale. Remember, it wasn't demon-possessed necessarily all the time. It's this demonized, which just means under the influence or, or being tormented by a demon. And he, and he goes through this exercise where he's, you know, he compares it on a scale from one to ten. And so have y'all ever been somewhere, gone somewhere, and you just kind of feel a heaviness? You kind of feel, have y'all got examples of that? Anybody have an example of that? Oh, yeah. oh you would go. <laughs> Anybody have an example you'd like to share just real quick? Yep. Oh, here's a, here's a microphone coming your way. Would you mind just saying your name? Like, oh yeah. I, my husband and I have several we could uh, give, but um, I was in Salt Lake just a few weeks ago driving past a place that has been a haunted house um, as a business for years. And I could feel the demonic activity coming from it. And so I just took authority over it, bound it up, even came back a couple days later and I could feel it was still bound up. Wow. It was awesome. That's it was cool. really awesome. So it was interesting to see the guys kind of raise their hand. Okay, we'll do one more. Uh, for, yeah, go ahead. Cool. Uh, I was in Thailand, and for we went through a Buddhist temple yeah. out there, and that was the first time I'd ever felt anything like that. So. Okay. Yeah, uh, thanks, for, thanks for mentioning that. I've traveled overseas. You'll, you'll feel this. Um, uh, people perceive this. They call it like, hey, it was just a dark place or a heaviness. And uh, so that's like a level one. That's just saying, hey, there's, there's activity there. Uh, temptation is another great example where uh, Jack Deere, uh, who's the most straight-edge guy I've ever met in my life, don't know that he's got red blood pumping through his veins, but he tells this story about, uh, hey, I went, I went to this uh, city in Europe, and I've never struggled with sexual sin, but when I, as soon as I got there, I was there for a week the entire time. It was like pornography and sexual thoughts and like all this stuff that was just, and he was like, praise God, I didn't succumb to it, but it was just, it was just thick and it was there and I was tempted and it was weird because that's not me. And then as soon as I left and came home, it gone, right? So that's, that's what we're talking about, kind of that level one. Um, moving up the scale, four or five, you know, Jesus talks about um, this time, y'all remember the story about the woman that's been over and she's, uh, and he casts a demon off and she's able to straighten up. Right, so illnesses, mental illness, uh, is not always, definitely not always, but sometimes uh, can be demonic influence and torment. Uh, and then, so when you come to this man who was clearly, obviously, truly demon possessed, uh, with multiple demons, maybe this is a level nine, Jack would say. Um, uh, Jesus comes in, but he treats it all the same. 
And it's all just as easy for Jesus to take care of. And so he says the man comes and falls at his feet, the only place in the universe where he could be set free. And Jesus does just that. Uh, It's very awesome. Uh, So then in verse 14, it says, the herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and, uh, and in the country, and the people came out to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who, who was demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had the legion. They, they all knew this guy. And what's weird is they knew what the demon's name was, legion. And they became very frightened. Hmm. Uh, those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not, but Jesus did not let him. But he said, go home to your people. You remember when we talked a few months ago about Oikos? Go back to your own tribe, your own loved ones, your own kind. Go back to them and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim, not just in Hippos, but he went away and proclaimed in Decapolis, like the whole province, (coughs) what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. All right. (coughs) Why were they amazed? (coughs) Well, pagan culture uh, thrives on power, right? Shamans, um, uh, you know, any, any of these kind of real pagan, it's like, show me power and I'll show you who I'm going to worship. And so clearly now, because God gave it by the Holy Spirit to Jesus, he said, I want my kingdom to come over there on the other side. And Jesus said, okay, father, I will come with you. And he's going into this dark place, and now the kingdom of God has shown up in a powerful way, and in a way that we don't even really get, because in Hippos, just north of Hippos, was the campground of the 10th Roman legion. What was the name of the demon? Uh, Put up the standard, the flag, for the 10th Roman legion. That's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. So Jesus shows up through serving and loving this one man who everybody else just tried to chain up. He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to set you free and spend a few hours with you while the herdsmen go run off and then bring everybody back to tell me to go away. Um, And then you're going to go in the Decapolis and you're going to tell this story and people are going to be blown away by the significance, the, the power, the relevance to their life. The kingdom had come on the eastern shore. So much so that I'd said this before when we talked about the Oikos stuff, that Jesus, he got in his boat and he left. And he never came back. He never sent one of his 12 disciples over there. Like nothing, like nothing except this man. And then he comes back, we'll get to later in Mark, And there's thousands of people coming down the hills to meet him. And that's where he feeds. The second time he feeds thousands. He feeds the 4,000 with the, I think, seven loaves. Uh, Happened here. Because of the man who went around and gave him his testimony. So pretty pretty powerful. Really cool story. One of my favorites. All right. So moving on. This is uh, kind of the last section I'll spend time on. 
Mark chapter 5. So this is the last half of, of Mark 5. Uh, I won't read it word for word for time's sake. I'll just kind of skim through it. But it says, when Jesus had crossed over again, so now he's back over in the Jewish triangle. When Jesus had crossed over again the, in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. So he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials, okay, so now you're in synagogue land. All right, so one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet. It's a powerful place. And implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he, Jesus, went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Okay, so let's read between the lines. What happened? Jairus, this man comes to him, lands at his feet, says, I've got this daughter, I need you to heal her. I need you to heal her, she's gonna die. And did Jesus say, you know, that's a good idea. I've got 10,000, I've probably got 1,000 people crowding around me, all have problems, probably all have daughters that are, you know, all this stuff. But what's not in the text is I'm sure he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, and the father nodded. Yeah, this girl, this girl, I want you to heal. Okay. I'm going to come with you, Father. Here we go. So he's on his way. Verse 25, a woman who had, uh, who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of physicians. She spent all of her money and nobody could help her. Uh, verse 27, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Uh, was that a public healing or very private healing? Did, did anybody else in the crowd know? Immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself, I wonder how he perceived in himself. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit was talking to him. That power proceeding from him had gone forth and turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples basically said, are you crazy? We're all touching your garments. Like we're all mashed in here together. Um, so he turned around and he said, who touched me? Uh, verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, she knows what's happened, came and fell down before him. Y'all, this is three times. Uh, are we falling down before him? Like, come on, church. Like, she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Just, psh. Because Leviticus 15, 19 said that she's unclean for seven days whenever she goes through her normal monthly thing. But this was happening for 12 years. For 12 years, she was outcast. It said, the, the second half of verse 19 of Leviticus 15 said, people shouldn't even touch her. And then if you're, if you're going to be an extreme follower of the law, you're like, I don't even want to be in the same room with her, right? She is completely degraded, not only in a lot of pain or all the stuff that's going on with her, but socially outcast, a nobody, spurned, and she comes and touches the garment of Jesus while he's on his way, linked arms with the father to go heal a girl, and he's interrupted by this woman who touches his cloak, who got what she wanted, and the Holy Spirit said, time out. This is a moment. Uh, Jarius is going to be inconvenienced. He's going to be over there like, okay, come on. <laughs> like, uh, 
But the Holy Spirit won't let it go. and says, no, this is a moment you need to lean in. And so Jesus turns around and he engages this woman and he picks her up. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of not just your ailment, but be healed of your affliction. You see how the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. This isn't going to be a private thing. This needs to be done where everybody can see it because I love her. And I want her to be restored in her family, in her friends, in her, you know, and we're not going to go through this whole like seven day process with the priest to go get clean. No, we're going to do this now. And so while all that is happening, as soon as that miraculous thing just occurs, uh, Jairus' friends come up and say, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has died. It's too late. Um, just like Jesus was in the boat going to Decapolis and then the storm came in. Jesus was headed to where he knew the father was calling him to go. And then this bleeding woman came in and interrupted that whole thing, inconvenienced him, inconvenienced Jairus. And now there's this news. Y'all, what I'm seeing in the Bible is, have y'all noticed? Um, I, I really can't think of a single time when, it, when somebody who was walking according to the Spirit was too late or who just missed it. We, in our culture, we have major FOMA. We have major anxiety about like, oh, if I don't, if I don't do this or if I don't take this right step or if I don't make this decision perfectly, then I'm, I'm going to miss it. Guys, there's no missing it in the kingdom. But there is something uh, called power. And so Jesus, this girl is dead. She's dead. Uh, there's no miracle worker out there who has ever raised anybody from the dead. So Jesus goes to his house. He grabs mom and dad and a few inner circle of his disciples, and he goes up, and Talitha Kum, he says this phrase, he raises this little girl from the dead, y'all. It's amazing. Uh, so here's, here's my application that I'll wrap up with. Um, Jesus was on his way to Decapolis, and he was rudely interrupted with a storm. He wasn't anxious, he wasn't worked up, he wasn't fearful. Um, he just invited the power of God into the situation and there was a display of power like nobody had ever seen. Uh, he's going to heal this girl. He's healed many girls uh, besides this, but he knew the Lord was, wanted to heal this one and he's on his way to go do it and then he's interrupted. And uh, that was an opportunity then. That created an opportunity for God's power to be displayed in Jairus' home this synagogue leader, like nobody had ever heard of before. Uh, here's what I'm going to pose for you guys. God's power is manifest oftentimes in your inconvenience. How willing are we, because this is our example, how willing are we, and this is the most condemning teaching I could possibly speak for over myself, how willing are we to be interrupted in life? Um, do y'all have stories of this? Of where interruption uh, provided an opportunity for God's power to be displayed in somebody's life? Ray. 
Hello, my name is Ray. So, um, I don't actually ever, and I rarely speak about this, but it's funny, while you're speaking about it, you're speaking about how Jerry is, um, the, the individual from the synagogue came and told him that the daughter was dead. I always try to explain to people how my faith doesn't come from the world or people just speaking. It's just the fact that I've seen God move. And it's it's one thing to, there are people that just gonna believe just to believe, but I've known, I've seen it. Uh, uh, I was married for 10 years and I always explain to my fiance now that um, uh, my ex-wife, she was sick and uh, she had a, a disease that's been ailing her for years and years. Um, but my mother, thank God, um, she raised me up to just believe in the, in the word and that the spoken word has power. Um, and during the, towards the end of our marriage, it was one of those things where uh, she always explained that um, the three reasons she wanted us to split up was because uh, you love me too much, you think you can fix everything, and you won't let me die. And it was in the hospital when we had a son together, and she quoted like six times. And I remember being in the room with my son, and we're asking the doctors, and I told the doctors, do you guys believe that you've done everything that you can? And it was like, there's, there's nothing else we could do, nothing else we could do. And I was like, well, it's okay. You know, I was like, you guys could step out, you know? And, and I just said, I just need people that believe in God to be in here with me right now. So, and I remember there was this nurse and the doctor that stayed in there along with my son. And we just started praying. We just started praying and praying and praying. And she started breathing. Like, while well, she was on the end of the, yeah. Um, Innovated with the tube, she just started breathing, and I remember she woke up and she was seeing how, like she felt like she was going somewhere, but she could hear us praying, and she came up and and she came back, and it's one of those things that I was trying to explain to individuals, like man. I'll be crazy not to believe in God. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just one of those things. I, 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 and I, you're talking about it. I'm like, wow. Like, I've seen this happen over and over again. And then you said, do you have a story like that? And I feel the Holy Spirit like, all right, this is your time to share. That's good, Ray. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Okay. Um, looking around the room. This, this is what I'd like to do in, in closing, is I would like to ask for two volunteers to pray. Um, just feel like, just led in this direction, that uh, there's those of you in the room, like me, um, that are so screaming busy, conquering whatever mission that you're set out for, and you're in your lane, and there's there's. I believe, I am convinced that the lack of power manifests in my life and those around me, I believe are because of my unwillingness to be interrupted. That's, that's what I'm, uh, not a condemnation, but that's where I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, when you guys were sitting in teaching team, you got Mark 5, buddy. I tried to get out of it. We were doing some scheduling stuff, and then it came back, it's like, Justin, you got Mark 5. 
so I feel like this is, <laughs> Dan knows, um, uh, this is for me. But for some of y'all, you, you, you're in the same boat with me. And so I would like somebody who feels kind of a, a burning heart right now for that to pray a prayer of confession. Because this is very much like a cultural thing too, right? Like we talk to our neighbors once a year, maybe we know their name. Like we, we don't engage with people because we're in our own world. Uh, so I would like to just pray a prayer of confession uh, that Lord, we're not, we have not been interruptible in the past. And we don't walk in a way where we're constantly looking to heaven uh, like Jesus did or Elijah did or, or David did. Shall I pursue them, Lord? Will you give me victory? I'm not going to go do that until you give me the green light. Like, we need to receive. So I want to I pray a prayer of confession. And then I want somebody else to pray a prayer of blessing. That God, would you make us, those of us here in this room today, uh, and those who are online that are joining us, that you would make that you would bless us with the gift of eyes open and ears to hear, uh, to perceive what he wants to do with us. Because th- I know this from, from walking with the Lord as long as I have. When, when, you, when the Lord comes to you and says, hey, link arms with me, uh, come with me, that is not a straight path. He, he calls timeouts and he swerves and he stops and he ministers to people all the time. His kingdom invades dark places all the time. And so if you're linked with him, you're along for the ride. And just, oh, we're just missing out if we're not right there in step with them. And so I'd just like somebody to pray a prayer of blessing and just pray that over us, that we would be a people, uncharacteristically so, for the sake of Castle Rock, uh, that we would be a people who are interruptible, that are willing to be inconvenienced so that we could see God's power manifest. We got couple of volunteers to pray those prayers. The first one, prayer of confession. Anybody? Okay, gotcha. Uh, what about the prayer of blessing? Okay, uh, why, don't, why don't the two of you guys pray those, those prayers, and then we'll wrap up with, with those prayers. Father, I just repent <clears throat> on behalf of the church right now, Lord, and even my own life. Father, times where I haven't been yielded to you, Father, where I've um, chosen convenience, Father, or, or laziness, God. Father, when I haven't gone back into the store to tell the clerk how much you love them, or the time where I didn't pray for the person um, with crutches, or, or any of those areas, Father, even with money, Father, not giving to the homeless man, Father, when I felt the nudge, Lord. Father, we just repent, God, and I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that your, your goodness and your mercy will cover your church. Father, that you will lead us and guide us, Father, that you will just allow us to walk um, in a deeper sense uh, and, and awareness, Father, of, um, of your, your spirit, of your voice, Father, and that you would uh, cover us, Father, right now, Lord. Cover your church, Father, and open up our eyes to see you, our ears to hear you, our hearts to know you, Father. Let us hear your voice, God. Everywhere we go, Father, let your presence um, carry us and cover us, Father. Thank you for your mercy, God. In Jesus' name. And Father, would you just give us eyes to see that you would take off the blinders and even the cultural things that we've grown up in and just having the tunnel vision, getting our stuff done and getting our groceries, getting our gas, getting to work, all of it, Lord, that you would just uh, open our eyes to see the, the ones in front of us that you put in front of us, the way you see them, and then fill us with your words, Lord just like you did with Jesus. Mm. Open our ears so that we could hear you 
more clearly and give us a heart to stop for the one that you put in front of us almost on a daily basis. I'm sure you do that. And Lord, give us courage and boldness, even if it's at work and we think uh, something might happen if we tell someone that you love them. I just pray for that. I pray for the boldness, the courage, the love for the lost, and eyes to see and ears to hear, to stop for the people that you put before us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, I pray over every heart and every uh, soul of uh, Shine Church that uh, your people would be looking to you the way that Jesus uh, followed the way. He followed what the Spirit, what his Father had said, and also what his Father uh, told him to do and where to go. Uh, that not only for the eyes to see and ears to hear, but also that it would be a heart change. It would be a transformation. It would be an equipping. It would be a um, infilling again of uh, your spirit. Um, Compassion, compassion, compassion. Uh, And this is something also for, you know, this area, especially for Castle Rock and Douglas County, compassion, compassion and to get out of one's element of self, getting into the rhythm and into the mind and the heart of the Lord Jesus. Let that be so and let that be said of Shine Church that they are one that follows and is in step and in rhythm and in essence the same with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. Love and service. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. Well, we love you guys. We thank you so much. Hold on real quick. Uh, As we were praying, I just... Does somebody, would somebody be gracious enough to pray for Justin and Lauren and their family? I know they've been going through... Uh, quite the week, uh, but I just, as we were praying, just felt like maybe I should ask if anybody would have the heart to pray for them. Yep. That's so funny because you were the one that God told me. I almost brought you you should have said it. And you guys are like wearing the same I sweatshirt. I told him. We're twins. It's weird. Thank you. Father God, um, Lord, I just pray over this amazing family, Lord, that um, that we are honored to call family. Lord, I just pray peace, peace over their hearts, trust, um, provision in in not just the physical car and the the things that we can see, but provision with patience, provision with um, love and the fruits of the spirit towards each other in the heated moments and in the moments where they're just feeling overwhelmed. Um, God, I just pray your, your mercy over their hearts and their lives. And we just thank you for their willingness to, um, even in the midst of all of the things that they have going on, that they're willing to 
lead us in in these teachings the last couple weeks um, and and be used by you um, to speak to us. And we just thank you for them, and we thank you for using them um, to bless us. Um, we see we see that, and we see you in them. And I just pray that they are able to take deep breaths and breathe your your love and mercy in during these hard moments. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you.